If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're at an exciting point in our study of Christ above all from this letter as we begin to examine this morning the daily priorities that you and I are to have as those who are in Christ Jesus by faith. In this letter, we've seen the supremacy and we've seen the sufficiency of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all afresh and all anew. In, verse, in chapters 1-2, through two, we learned that Jesus is the invisible God made visible. He is the supreme and sufficient One, the One uh, who is ruler over creation, redemption, the church, and all things. In short, as Paul says in Colossians 3.11, Christ is all and in all. In, in other words, in light of Christ's indescribable glory and worth, Christ is all that matters. Christ above all. He's the preeminent one, and He is to be the preeminent one. This is our purpose, to glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ alongside all of history and all creation itself. And so in light of those truths, Paul writes chapters 3-4 through to instruct us as believers in how to live so that Christ might be and be seen by others as preeminent over us. We saw first in verses 5-14 through of chapter 3 that exalting Christ calls for a change in our daily practices. In other words, there are some things that we need to put off and there are some things that we need to put on by the Spirit of God. Namely, we need to put off our old way of life that was lived for the pleasure of sin and we must put on our new way of life that is lived for the pleasure of Christ. Well, starting today, Paul begins to show us that exalting Christ Jesus above all not only calls for a change in our daily practices, but also a change in our daily priorities. And this just makes sense. If Christ is to be above all, then that means that there are some new priorities that are going to have to be made and maintained in our lives on a daily basis. You know, this is so critical to have the right priorities and to not let lesser things crowd them out in our lives. I think of a painting that the German realist Adolf Menzel created over a period of three years that's titled Frederick the Great's Address to His Generals Before the Battle of Luthen. And if you look at the picture, which I'll give you a chance to in a moment, it's absolutely stunning. It contains a vast background that is filled with companies of soldiers that are fading off into the mist. It contains intricate trees, both in the background and in the foreground. It contains the army's generals that are standing around on wonderfully detailed grass and melting snow. These generals with all these colorful uh, clothes and expressive faces and gestures. It could have been one of Menzel's greatest works. The only problem is the main figure of the painting, Frederick the Great, was left completely blank. Menzel paid so much attention to so many details, but the main detail, the main figure, the main priority was left completely ignored. He never got around to it. And so his greatest work became his greatest disappointment. And if we're not careful, our lives can be the exact same way, even as Christians, regarding Christ Himself. We can say, I am going to live a life that magnifies and exalts Jesus Christ above all. And we might begin to work on the details of those life, 
of that life. We might start working really hard on the daily details of our career, finding the right spouse, having the right family, raising our kids correctly, making sure we're involved in the right ministries and services. But if we're not careful, those lesser things can take priority over the greater. And we can neglect Jesus among all the other details of our lives. That is why it's so important that Jesus becomes not a blank or neglected figure in any overly distracted and crowded life, but rather that Jesus becomes the glorious and constant focus, priority, and epicenter of a wholly devoted life lived for Him. That is why Paul writes the section of Scripture that we're about to look at this morning, so that as Christians we would maintain the right daily priorities, so that Christ would remain above all in everything we say and do. In this passage, Paul lays out three priorities that we as Christians are to daily maintain, and we're going to look at them one at a time as a church. If we want to show that Jesus Christ is above all, that is done more than just in our words, it is done through our daily actions which are determined by our daily priorities. And these are our priorities that we must maintain. If we want to show that Christ is above all, then we must first let the peace of Christ rule. Then second... We must let the Word of Christ dwell. And then third, we must let the name of Christ prevail. And that's just taken straight from the verses that we're going to be looking at. So if we want to show that Jesus Christ is above all on a daily basis, then we must make sure our priorities on a daily basis are to let the peace of Christ rule, let the Word of Christ dwell, and let the name of Christ prevail in everything we say and do this must be our daily priorities as Christians. So with that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Paul writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the Word of God, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity we have this morning to sit at Your feet and to learn from You. Father, we thank You that Your Word is immensely practical. That it truly is It truly is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. From the moment our feet hit the ground in the morning to the moment we raise them up at night, Your Word guides us in every aspect of our being, even in our thoughts, our attitudes, and our daily priorities. So Father, I pray that Christ would reign supreme in our lives, and I pray that that change would begin 
as we come to understand what you have for us in your word today here in Colossians chapter 3. Help us, Father, not to have Christ a neglected detail, but help him to be the gravity center of our lives and ambitions. We pray that you would do a work in our hearts this morning by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, Paul tells us here that if we are to live a life that exalts and magnifies Jesus Christ above all, and if we are to walk, as he said in chapter 1, verse 10, if we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, then that means we must make it our daily priority first to let the peace of Christ rule. That is in verse 15 where Paul writes, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Paul begins by exhorting us to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now that phrase, the peace of Christ, actually has two nuances of meaning to it, and I think for a reason. The first nuance refers to what I would call the positional peace that we have in Christ. You see, in the Greek, this word peace means a treaty or a covenant that ends hostility. And that is exactly what you and I have in Jesus Christ. See, before we trusted in Christ, we were at war with God. As Paul declares earlier in chapter 1, verse 21, we were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. God was on one side of the equation with all of His glory and all of His goodness, and we were on the other side with all of our shame and all of our sin. Our sin had separated us from the Holy God. It had severed the relationship that we were created to have with Him. And it drove a wedge between us and God. We were alienated, we were cut off, and we were rebels beneath the just wrath of God. But now in Christ, the good news, the gospel that Paul is proclaiming in the book of Colossians is now in Christ. We have been reconciled if we have trusted in Him. We have, as Colossians 1.20 says, God has made, do you remember? God has made what? Peace by the blood of His cross. See, through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf, We who were once raging in our warfare and hatred against God can now have peace with Him. Peace with God. As Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified or declared righteous before God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No more fear. No more guilt. No more anger or wrath. You can have peace. Peace with God this morning. Peace between you and God. You can have that today. Right where you're seated. This very moment, you can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has paid the price and absorbed God's wrath for your sins. If you will but humble yourself, lay down your arms, stop fighting God, and acknowledge your sins and trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your souls. Call out to Him for mercy and forgiveness because He is already calling out to you. That is what He is doing this morning. God is making His appeal through me. Be reconciled to God. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and find peace for your soul. For there is no peace for the wicked, but there is peace for those in Christ Jesus. 
As Isaiah 57 verse 19 says, Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. See, it doesn't matter how close you feel to the Lord or how far away from you feel to the Lord this morning. This morning, you can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace by the blood of His cross. And this is what Paul was talking about over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, when he says of Christ, He Himself is our peace. Through faith in Christ, we are no longer enemies of God on the side of Satan. We are now children of God on the side of Christ. And that's what Paul was talking about back in Colossians 1, verse 13, if you remember. He said we've been delivered from the domain of darkness, and we've been what? Transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We are on Christ's side now. That is what it means to have peace. We're on Christ's side now. So that's the first nuance I think Paul is getting at when he talks about the peace of Christ here. He's referring to the positional peace that we have in Jesus. But the second nuance that Paul's presenting here is what I would call, for lack of a better word, even though I tried to find one, the practical peace that we have in Christ. See, for the Hebrews, the word peace meant more than just right relationships. It meant an inner sense of calm, rest, and security. And we have that in Jesus as well, do we not? Those of us who have trusted in Him, we have an eternal wellspring of inner peace, of inner calm, rest, and security. Why? Because we have Christ's own presence and promises given to us through His Spirit. This is what Jesus said Himself in John chapter 14, verses 26-27, through 27, the night before His death. He said this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in light of that reality of the Holy Spirit bringing to us the divine truth of God, Jesus then says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, we who have trusted in Christ have a peace that this world cannot touch. For it is a peace that is grounded not on our earthly circumstances, but on the heavenly truths that are our reality found in Christ Jesus. It is grounded, our peace is grounded upon God's promises in Christ. So that when we look to our past, we see our sins totally forgiven by a Christ who has suffered. And when we look to our present, we see our circumstances totally controlled by a Christ who is sovereign. So that when we look to our future, we see our destiny totally glorious by a Christ who is soon coming. Therefore, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, when Christ's presence and promises, when Christ Himself is your past, your present, and your future, when Christ is your life, that is peace. That is peace. That is unassailable calm, rest, and security. As Jesus said in John 16.33, I have said these things to you so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, this is the peace that we have in Christ. It is a positional peace. We're on Christ's side, but it is also a practical peace. We have a settled, calm, rest, and security beneath a Savior and Lord who is our life. Boy, isn't that rich? And we're just getting started. (laughs) 
Because now all these wonderful truths come down to earth like a lightning bolt when Paul says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule means to umpire. It's the word used back then of the officials in the ancient Olympic Games who would call all the shots, just like the umpires do in our modern sporting events. Char and I went to a baseball game this last week. It was the Dayton Dragons. They didn't win, sadly. And so predictably, several times throughout the game, the crowd booed who? The umpire. Well, why would they boo the umpire? In fact, one individual yelled out in the middle of the game that the umpire was paid off and the game was rigged. Well, it wasn't, as Char and I were carefully examining the batting averages of both teams. It was not rigged. But the point is, the crowd responded in that way because they understood something. They recognized the authority of that umpire. They knew that the game would go however the umpire called it. Well, here Paul says, let the peace of Christ be the umpire of your heart. Let it be your authority. Let the peace of Christ be what makes the final call of what's allowed and what's not allowed in your emotions and in all your decision making. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that is why Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule, notice, in your hearts. You know, it's one thing to look like you have peaceful words. It's another thing to think that you have a peaceful demeanor. But it's something else entirely to have peace in your hearts. In your hearts. And here we are to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because the word heart here is defined, defined biblically as the seat of your emotions and your will. That's what the peace of Christ is to rule over. And if you want to show that Christ is above all on a daily basis, then you need to let the peace of Christ rule over all of that. So I want to break down this biblical application of letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. I want to make this as practical as possible. And I'm going to break it down in two ways for you this morning. First, what does it mean to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? It means first, to let your positional peace in Christ rule over your decisions. And then second, it means to let your practical peace you have in Christ rule over your emotions. This is how you have the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So if you want the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts, then first, let your positional peace in Christ rule over your decisions. We've just seen that part of that peace of Christ that we have as believers is a positional peace, right? We are now on whose side? No longer the world's side. We are now on Christ's side. Listen, that truth ought to rule over every single decision you make in life. You are on Christ's side. You're not on your own team. You're not on the world's team. You're on Christ's team. You're on His side. Just like Joshua reminded Israel in Joshua 24, verse 15, every day you need to choose whom you will serve. So as for you, serve the Lord because you're on Christ's side. That's what Paul's saying. So when an issue comes up in your life, and Paul's going to bring up many issues later, issues of parenting, right? issues of being a child, issues of being an employer, right? issues of being a citizen in a government. When you're dealing with an issue that's coming up in your life and you're wondering, man, what am I supposed to do? The first thing you're to think is not what do I want to do. 
the first thing you are to consider in that moment is, I'm on Christ's side. I am at peace with Him. I should do what He wants me to do. Let your new life in Christ, your oneness with Him, and your peace with Him be the ruling and deciding factor for everything that you do. So when you're wondering about what to eat, or how much to eat, whose side are you on? What you want, or what Christ wants? When you're wondering about what to drink, or how much to drink, whose side are you on? When you're wondering about what to wear, or what to watch, or where to go, or what to do, or who to do it with, what do you need to remember in that moment? Whose side am I on? I am on Christ's side. I belong to Him. In all my decisions, we must always ask ourselves, what decision would most clearly reflect in this moment that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? As Paul says over in Romans 7, verse 4, that I belong to another, to Him who has been raised from the dead. Which decision most clearly reflects that? What decision would most clearly show that I belong to Jesus? And see, this is what's awesome about this, because <laughs> Paul is getting to the point of why do Christians live holy lives, right? And this is why every true Christian should never be legalist. Because we don't need extra-biblical laws of man to rule over our lives. We just need the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts to live a holy life for the glory of God. And if Christ has our hearts, He has everything else. Everything else. So this is the first way that we show that Christ is above all on a daily basis and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It is by letting your positional peace in Christ rule over your decisions. The second way that we show Christ is above all and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts is second, let your practical peace in Christ rule over your emotions. Right? So now some of you might be thinking immediately at this moment, hold now, Pastor. My emotions cannot be controlled. They're just emotions. They can't be ruled over. Listen, that biblically is not true. Your emotions are like a dog on a leash. They always follow your thoughts. I've never experienced an emotion that is completely disconnected from a thought or concept. There is always a thought, a concept, or at least an impression that lies behind an emotion I'm, I'm experiencing. Even if it's a hard-to-express one. I'm sad because. I'm happy because. I'm afraid because. As Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The emotions we feel are almost always reactions to the thoughts that we think. The question is, are we thinking thoughts in accordance with the truth, in accordance with the practical peace and promises that are ours in Christ, or not? What thoughts are our emotions following after? That's why we're told in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart flow all the issues of life. Even our emotions, as Proverbs 4, verse 23 says. So, if you want to show that Christ is above all on a daily basis, and if you want the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts, if you want Him to be preeminent over your decisions and your emotions, then you must let your practical peace in Christ and His promises rule your emotions on a daily basis. 
You must speak truth to yourself so that your emotions don't rule over you, but rather the peace of Christ rules over your emotions. And we actually see an example of this, by the way, from the psalmist in Psalms 42 and 43, when the psalmist speaks to himself. He speaks to himself three times in these two chapters saying this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Now, why are you in turmoil within me? Right? These emotions are not right. Then he says this, Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. See, the psalmist recognized that his emotions in that circumstance did not rule over him. He recognized in the emotions that his emotions were not right. They were not in accordance with the truth of his relationship that he knew to be true with, between him and God. And so he spoke truth to himself that his emotion, so that his emotions would not rule over him, but rather the peace of Christ would rule over his emotions for that day. This is what we are to do as well. Just as it's a fight to have Christ reign supreme over our decisions, it is just as much of a fight, it is more of a fight to have Christ reign supreme over our emotions as well. We are to let the practical peace of Christ rule over all of our emotions. We're to let us, Philippians 4 verse 7 says, the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You say, how? By speaking the truth that we know to be true to ourselves and to God. By speaking the truth regarding the practical peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. By reminding ourselves of these truths. My past is forgiven by a Christ who has suffered. My present is controlled by a Christ who is sovereign. My future is glorious beside a Christ who is soon coming. My life is hidden with Christ in God. So emotions, what are you doing today? Get in line. Christ must rule over you for His glory today. I must live as someone who is born again from the inside out. So straighten up emotions. Because these emotions are not in line with someone whose life is Christ. He has spoken these things to me so that I might have peace. So I will fight for peace. I will fight for peace in my emotions for the glory of God. So this is what you and I must do on a daily basis if we are to show that Christ is above all in our lives and not just a neglected detail. This is what we must do if we are to, as Colossians 1.10 says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. It begins by letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, by letting our positional peace in Christ rule over all of our decisions, and letting our practical peace in Christ rule over all of our emotions. We must let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And if we do... And it is going to completely transform not only our own personal lives and our own personal decisions and our own personal emotions, but it's going to completely transform our relationships among the body of Christ as well. But that's for next week. (laughs) The rest of the verse. May God give us grace this week to consider for ourselves that I am on Christ's side in every decision that I must make. And Christ is my life in every emotion that I feel. So that the peace of Christ might rule in my heart for His glory in this world. So this is the Word of God from Colossians 3.15, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until He comes to that end as the men come forward for our observance of communion.
today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for reminding us of the peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we have positional peace before you. We thank you that we are no longer arrayed as enemies against you, but that the terms of peace have been decided and have been won by Christ Jesus. We thank you that this morning we can have peace with you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can have total forgiveness of all of our sins. We thank you that we can have eternity secured because of what Christ has done. Father, we also thank you that we have practical peace that is ours in Christ. For to be anxious and to be troubled does not make sense when we consider the supremacy of your Son, Jesus Christ. So Father, help, help us this week to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. May we not say that Jesus is supreme with our lips, but then deny that by our very emotions, anxieties, and troubles. Give us faith to believe so that the world might see that Jesus truly is Savior and Lord over all. Father, I pray that you would bless these next few moments as we spend together in communion. May they be rich times of examination as we consider ourselves in light of the peace that is offered in Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.